I'm Brock Gordon, and I'm an art teacher at Fusion Academy. And I work with a group of fantastic teachers. This summer, I'm catching up with them on their ideas on education. This is Summer League. today is Nadia Benavides. She's our music teacher and we're going to catch up with her in part one about her experience and philosophy on teaching. And then in part two, we're just talking all music. I've got <laughs> Nadia here in the studio. Nadia not Fayad. Nadia Benavides. Yes. Welcome to the art studio. Thank Nadia. you so much. And welcome Rock. back to school. She's been gone this summer. She just got married. Yes. She's it is. been up in uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. and just totally out of the the horrible heat here in Texas. So welcome back. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. That's great. I could hear your, you know, I'm on the opposite side of the building from you, but as soon as you walked in, there was this giant explosion of congratulations and welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. I've missed you guys. It's been it's been a while. I know. Yeah. Ah. It's good to see you guys. So Nadia teaches music here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been here about a year. Yes, actually, my year anniversary was August eighth. Okay. I believe. So. So. Um, just a few days ago. I know. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you ended up at Fusion. Well, I'm from Duluth, Minnesota, and um, I started my, you know, journey in music in high school where I was in all of the choirs and I was singing all of the time. I was in all the plays, musicals. And then I decided, you know what, I want to go to college for singing. So I went to the Eastman School of Music Conservatory for my undergrad for four years. And then... Where is that? That is in Rochester, New York. Okay. Um, And I did my bachelor's in music degree there. And then for a fifth year, I uh, did um, an arts leadership certificate uh, where and a Kaufman Entrepreneurial Scholar year where I studied vocal health and I created um, a lecture series for vocal health for inspiring professional singers. So I did internships studying with doctors, ear, nose, and throat doctors on vocal cords and the effects of vocal injuries and rehabilitation and things like this. And actually, in that the summer before that year. I came to Houston because the Methodist Hospital mm-hmm. has like one of the best ear, nose, and throat doctors. He unfortunately doesn't work there anymore. He retired, but his name was Dr. Richard Stastny, and um, I we had a connection with him through the Eastman School. So they traveled me to Houston to do an internship with him for a summer to watch him do surgeries and watch the rehabilitation process. Whoa. I know. So What was that like? Well, my first surgery that I watched, I was in the room, got my scrubs on, everything, and he starts to put, like, the tube down the trachea. 
and he couldn't get it in the trachea right. So he was really working hard to get it in and he pulls it out and there's like blood at oh. the end and, and I'm starting to lose it. So I, <laughs> I feel, you know, the hot, the cold. So I'm starting to walk to the door and I just completely pass out right oh. then. <laughs> so that was take one. That didn't go so well. But um, after that, it was fine. I just needed to like breathe, get get used to that. But um, I was, since the beginning, I was really intrigued with vocal health and um, pedagogy. So, um, but so that was kind of always in the back of my mind where, you know, vocal health, teaching this aspect of my life. But then I still decided, oh, you know, I'm going to go get my master's degree in vocal performance, you know, in music. So I went, I was still in Rochester, New York at Eastman. And then I decided, you know, I really loved Houston. And I remember there being a great university there called Rice. Mm -hmm. And um, I looked into it and it was actually one of the best uh, master's programs for music. And they only accept like seven vocal students a year in their program because their program's free and they provide scholarship uh, no. stipend and stuff. And I'm like, that's what I need. Yeah. So, so I applied and luckily I got in and um, decided this is where I'm going to go for sure. Cause I already had a ties to Houston and I really enjoyed it there. So I made it back to Houston and got my two year master's degree in music and specializing in vocal performance and then I went to become a full-time opera singer and I lived that life for professionally full-time for two years and decided that um, that back of my mind pedagogy teaching was really my true calling and something that I wanted to pursue. Um, so I moved back to Minnesota to be a full-time singer at the Minnesota Opera um, and then decided to move back to Houston where my now husband lived and found Fusion and it all worked out and here I am teaching. So it's been a long journey, but this is how I got there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, you have a lot of really interesting different avenues where you... Hmm. Um, well, it's funny that it's like from one end of the country to the other. Like yeah. It's been, it's so extreme. What was it about Houston that you liked in the first place? Well, coming from Minnesota, I mean, I loved the weather just because I actually, I really did. I liked that it was always sunny. It was always summertime because when you live in Minnesota and it's negative 30 it's just freezing all the time. You have to wake up and it's dark. You could wake up at, you know, nine o'clock and it'd still be dark. And you gotta, you can't just leave to go to work. You gotta scrape your car. Yeah. You gotta brush off everything. And it's it's just, you know, we call it putsy. That's the word we use. Very putsy. It's a lot of work. So I was just, I, I loved the vibe, the sun and the good weather all of the time. Yes, it's hot in the summer, but you just go inside. <laughs> you, you just, just go inside, inside and you stay there. And you stay there forever. forever. So um, I loved that. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. 
there I I love that there there's so much opportunity here in Houston. I saw that. You know, I was in kind of the medical Montrose area and mm-hmm. I just fell in love with that area it's immediately. A cool neighborhood. Yeah. You can walk anywhere. Yeah. You know, where I live currently, I can't walk anywhere, but um, I think there's, if you talk to people who are not in Texas or Houston and tell them that you're moving to Houston, it like the outside perspective, at least for me, the outside perspective is why? No, I know. Totally. <laughs> why are you moving why there? Why would you do that? Why would you go do the thing like that? Mm-hmm. Because the, there's, um, there's just a huge misconception about the city. I totally. Think. Um, depends on where you are though you know like yeah. it depends on where you are you could be in a completely different area it just different vibes everywhere you go woodlands totally different from where i live woodlands totally different from where you live yeah so oh, yeah the woodlands is like its own little <laughs> its own little spot yeah. <laughs> yeah not associated with the city so who do you model your teaching style on any particular person um, and did you have any real um, heroes or mentors when you were growing up? Yeah. So my undergrad uh, voice teacher, her name was Catherine Cowdrick. Um, she was a teacher at the Eastman School of Music. I, when I was a beginning singer, I actually had nodules. I had a vocal injury and something that was really I mean, for a young singer, it was something difficult I had to go through in in college. I had to go through the surgery and go through all the rehabilitation and all of that. And she was actually a vocologist, luckily. So she was specialized in training singers that had these issues. And I was very fortunate to have her as my teacher. Mm. And she was a huge inspiration to me to have this knowledge about, you know, not just be a singer and not just know how to sing well, but know like what it takes to sing well and what, you know, how to teach people to sing well. Right. So um, that's what inspired me to learn more about vocal pedagogy and teaching and vocal health and all of these things. So she, and she was also just the nicest person in the world. You know, she never taught in the opera world. You run into a lot of people who are, very negative and you know kind of tough on you because it's competitive it's you know it's a tough environment to be in um, but she always approached everything with love and and thoughtfulness and caring and I really appreciated that because I don't respond well to negativity it's just not how I work so that's one and then yeah. Negativity being like somebody just kind of like yeah kicking your ass all yeah, the time. Yeah, just like saying you suck. Yeah. I mean, just like you yeah. <laughs> you are you you suck. There's so many other amazing people here. You'll never make it. They don't mean you'll never make it, but they say that to fuel your fi- mm-hmm. you know to fuel you, yeah. which never works for me. Yeah. Which never worked for me. I mean, I've had people do say that to me and. Just didn't work. So. <laughs> didn't work. Um, so there's that. I approach my teaching with love and, you know, whether if some someone's not doing something right, I'm not going to, or not doing it the way I want them to do it. I'm not going to make them feel small or belittle them. I'm going to give them another method or, 
you know, just be a little bit more sensitive towards them about it. Yeah. How did you practice that? Well, I think it's just who I am too. Like I'm not the type of person to belittle anybody. Um, I don't like to use my power, you know, overpower anybody, even though I'm the teacher and they're the student. I don't believe that there should be this hierarchy level, you know, Mm -hmm. me looking down at anybody. We're on the same, we're on the same plane here, you know. Until you do something wrong. And then, I gotta, <laughs> then I gotta shake my finger at you, but <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, I like to treat everybody as an equal, you know, because mm-hmm. creating music, it's a very vulnerable thing. Um, singing or playing an instrument for somebody, even though they're your teacher, it's a very vulnerable thing because you're in front of somebody else, you're you know, singing, especially, you are your own instrument, so. You know, depending on how you feel that day, you could sound like crap. and You can't hide behind anything. You can't anything. hide behind anything. It's very vulnerable. And, you know, so we have to create a safe space in the room. And I want them to feel safe. and Because I know I appreciated that a lot going through school. And um, then when I did my master's degree at Rice, I had a teacher, Barbara Clark. Um, and she was the same way. I chose her. Like I, when I did my audition, when you apply for college, you go in, you have to actually do an audition. Um, it was like an eight minute audition and then you have to do like a music theory test and all of that stuff. But I worked with her during my audition for like a sample lesson and I loved her. So when I did my application and I said, I would only come to this school if I studied with this teacher. And um, she was also just like my teacher in my undergrad, very warm, very welcoming, very, she approached everything with love and she treated each student like she was, you know, like, like they were her own. And, you know, I know, I knew that she was somebody I could contact if something, if I needed anything. So I, she's, she was also another person I really looked up to. I'll also mention. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've had pe- teachers on the opposite spectrum that are that did not approach things with love. I had a French teacher in college who uh-huh. was incredibly hard on me. Um, Sometimes I, you learn more from uh-huh. those exactly. experiences yeah. about really. Oh, I don't respond well to that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's um, I had a teacher who just was so negative with me and told me you why aren't you getting this you know you're stupid um and just you know he would call me out in class when she knew how hard I was trying you know Mm -hmm. and that you know I told myself then I will never be like this and I actually told her I actually said to (laughs) her I will never be like you yeah (laughs) you know and that that fueled my the fire even more like I want to be a teacher and I want to treat I there's not there needs to be more teachers like this and less like this so yeah so what did she say when you said that well she actually got fired it's a very long story but (laughs) yeah because she was so terrible to me that I and then she created this scene in the class and I stood up and I told her off in front of everybody and I said I will never be like you and then I stormed out went straight to the dean's office and said 
this is what has happened. And the dean, you know, me and the dean were like pretty close. Yeah. yeah. And uh, everybody got a take home final exam. Huh. And uh, she got fired. Wow. So I was praised. I was praised you, for You did that something intent. good. I did something good. Yeah. I was very proud of myself. But yeah. So. Man, I had this one undergrad professor who was my major professor and had been there forever. He was a complete dinosaur. And. Dinosaur. You know, have you ever heard that? Yeah. You know, like yeah. just tenured. Yeah. Um. He looked and acted, his name was Mark Godsagan. He's now passed, but he looked and acted like Gimli from Lord of the Rings. And he was short, you know, had this huge gut and a giant beard that came down at a point. Yeah, um, I know those. Just so, he was like red-faced and just angry, you know. So just that was his thing and I was a senior and uh, in his painting class you know just kind of coasting at that point mm-hmm. and his because I had other painting classes that were where we were actually doing our work at that point because all he wanted to do was like you just come in you paint the figure human we had a different figure model every day mm-hmm. and you just paint the figure that was all we did <clears throat> We were in critique one morning and I put my painting up and my painting happened to fall and knock over his coffee onto his oh, grade book. Man. It was over. And it was over. He I'd never been cursed at before. Like I people, you know, had said joking things. Yeah. Or like cursed and been talking to me to me. Right. But I've never been cursed at, at. like gd what the f is you know string of just you know getting all up in my grill and it wasn't about the coffee (laughs) you know (laughs) it wasn't about anything like that it was kind of like what did you do i just i was like so sorry oh my god and then went and i just left and got some uh you know stuff to clean it up and you know came back and i just took a little breather but also just let me know that like i don't need to rock with this guy forever i get what i need from him move on i don't want to be like this yeah person exactly um but Mm -hmm. you know we never had that cathartic we never had a Mm -hmm. apologetic moment or anything like that i actually appreciate him now he's like i when i had a studio i had his picture like hanging on my wall like a little picture just as like a little i don't know why like i would look up at it sometimes and just be like there's that there's that guy (laughs) and there he is it kind of it lit a little bit of a fire Mm -hmm. for me to not not in a way that a professor is saying you're never going to do anything Mm -hmm. that you're talking about but in a way that like i'm gonna be better than you yeah (laughs) for sure exactly and kinder exactly and like people will uh, people it'll be an easier path than having to go through this like Mm -hmm. negativity 
Well, because you know from first experience that people don't respond well to that, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, that doesn't make people feel good. And that's not what our goal is as teachers, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean... I'm not trying to give people a complex. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be rem remembered as that person, yeah. right? So, there you go. Do you have a favorite assignment or project that you give students? Or have you had a student in the past year they just really kind of like took off? Mm -hmm. Well, I got to say, our wellness classes... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> our wellness classes. Oh, okay. I always look forward to wellness. Why because, is that? Because these are students that didn't choose to take music, right? Which is extra, I mean, unique because yeah. they're like, they walk in and some of them love music and have taken it already. And then there's some who know absolutely nothing about music and are like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then the first day of class, I'm like, okay, well your final project for wellness is to create a song. And they look at me like, what? Mm -hmm. I've never played an, I've never played an instrument. I've never done any kind of singing or anything ever. So, and they get a little nervous and I said, it's okay. You don't need to know how to do that. You don't need to know any of that. Just, you have, let me show you how it works and we'll figure it out together. And like, okay, okay. And then after the first and second day, we get started on logic or um, whatever they decide to do and decide on what genre that speaks to them, what they enjoyed listening to. And they get started and they're on a roll and they get it like that, like super, it comes super easy to them. Every, every student I've had, it's been really an easy transition for them and they've had so much fun with it. Even the students who like really don't like anything at all. Like it, it, you have to convince them to do everything. They're like, you know, this, this isn't so bad. You know, this isn't so bad. And what they come up with at the end is really yeah. so unique to them and what they like. Yeah. And that's so cool to me. Well, I have a suspicion that you get a lot of the same students that I do who, you know, there's a fear involved. Totally. And there's a, so I'm not a musician. I don't know anything about this. There's no way that I could make a song. And once you, like, I think the way that you do that is really brilliant because you just put their intuition on the line and mm -hmm. say, what sounds good to you? Exactly. Like, you don't have to be a musician, quote unquote, to put a song together mm -hmm. just find find sounds that you like mm -hmm. let's start like arranging them mm -hmm. in this way you bam you have a song yeah like you start building on their intuition exactly and it's about being you know being able to take risks on like trying it out and then if it doesn't work that's okay we start again you know and then once they get more comfortable with like trying out different things they finally figure out what works and it it always ends up working. It always ends up working and it always ends up sounding really cool. And they're usually very proud of what they've done. I mean, everybody, every student I've had, they've been like, wow, this actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. And I send it to the parents afterwards and they're like, whoa, I can't believe they did that. You know? Yeah, that's super and cool. I just think it's those students that I enjoy teaching the most is because they 
have no musical experience whatsoever. And then mm-hmm. at the end of it, they feel like musicians. Yeah. Because I feel like if you listen to music, which we all do, mm-hmm. all of us, then you're a musician. Yeah. Yeah. I have this weird hang up about titles. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite with the students who come in here and are like, I'm not an artist. And I like to say, no shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you shouldn't be an artist. Like, you don't have to be an artist. We're practicing art making. Mm-hmm. Just, there's no pressure. There, yeah. You don't have to be an artist if that's a block for you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just have fun experimenting. Yeah. Like, artists in a really heavy way are kind of, and they're supposed to be making like, deep commentary about society and the human experience and all you know like yeah if we're talking about art yeah. like you open up the art book yeah the art history book it's like all these things are meaning super deep meaningful mm-hmm. um there should not be that pressure as a student to make something super deep and meaningful right it has to happen organically mm-hmm. and let's just experiment mm-hmm. like <laughs> that's that's what it's all about. But in another, like, that's just my interpretation of that word. So, yeah. I think making music, like, you're right. Everybody does listen to music. And it's whether they understand easy. it or not, they understand the layout of a song, you know? Like, yeah. they understand whether they know it or not that there's a verse and then there's a chorus and then there's a verse. And they understand that there's underlying elements to the vocals or the leading line, the melody. They understand that there's a melody and a harmony. They just don't know what those terms are, Mm -hmm. you know, but they understand that it exists, you know? Yeah. So if I were to like say, okay, let's listen to this Cardi B song. Yes. I'm going to bring it up. Foreshadowing. Yeah. (laughs) Let's listen to Cardi B. Okay. Who is the main... Who's the, what's the main part of this song? Like, what's the main, what's the main focus? Okay, what's not the main focus, but the supporter of this song? Like, what, where is that? They, they could label it easily. It's just, they don't think about it. When you're in the car listening to Cardi B, you don't think about it, obviously. Huh. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it's useful as a teacher to be able to sneak up on them like that. Yeah. To say, like. You don't know it yet, but you know everything. Yeah. Already. Well, you know, confidence is a hard thing to come by when you're in high school. Yeah. Middle school, high totally. school. I totally, mean, totally. Really difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, to that, it helps. It helps to say, you know, you really do know more than you think. But, you know, I don't know. You just yeah. put it into real life experience. And hopefully. That, and, and as time goes on, I've had students that have come in completely no confidence whatsoever. And by the end, we got there and they were able to say, you know, I can do this. Well, a really powerful thing I think that music and art share Mm -hmm. is that when you create something yourself and you're sitting there looking at it or listening to it, you're showing part of yourself. You're revealing part of yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's a self-exploration kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. And just like there's nowhere to hide behind when you're a singer, there's no, you can't hear it and, and 
gets get a different get a I mean you can hear it and get a distorted version of yourself and feel mm-hmm. like my voice sucks it it like sound I sound horrible oh, on recording yeah. but um aside from that mm-hmm. you are getting um a top down view of yourself and that can be really powerful for students totally to feel like oh I I can make this mm-hmm. sound and it's powerful and it's exactly I don't know exactly it's unique it's um it says something like the sound of a voice says something about that person totally I mean every it's what what I so love about singing is that every instrument is different because we're all completely different people no voice is going to sound exactly the same yeah and we haven't gotten tired of it either yeah like there's still a competition called Mm -hmm. the voice to like (laughs) to turn around like i've seen more than i would like to admit of that television show (laughs) i know i know (laughs) i found it really interesting and uh really get into the coaching aspect of that show but um there's something interesting about the the setup of it where they're singing and they have to like judge the tone and mm-hmm. the, the character of that person's voice and you know yeah. turn around or not turn around or you know mm-hmm. invest in that person or not we're still captivated by mm-hmm. the uniqueness of voices yeah totally. so i got one more question for you and then we'll take a quick break and come back. And that is, it's a two-parter. Um, what's the main difference between the work you did as a researcher or do as a researcher? And by that, I just mean like what you studied in graduate school, um, your professional career outside of teaching. Um, and for you, it's deep in opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you do as a teacher and another way that i've kind of been asking the same question is how have you had to compromise that part of you to be a better teacher yeah right well in school and in my career before being a teacher it was obviously very very different i was learning material i mean the material that i teach as a teacher is from the very very beginning stuff i learned when i was in high school not even in college i didn't learn any of this stuff that i'm teaching in college it was all it was past high school so um i was learning i was deep into music theory notating giants i mean scores heavy orchestrations of Roman numeral analysis and oral skills. And I mean, not fun stuff. Uh I don't miss it. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. But, um, it was, it was difficult stuff. Um, and then as a singer, um, when I would get a new job, typically the, to prepare for that job, like this job that I'm going into in September, I need to, I get the score, 
It's in German, so I have to translate it word for word, not the poetic translation, but like the word for word translation, right? So that means if I don't know that word in German, I need to go get a dictionary and look for the word and write it in my score, right? So you translate all that. Yeah. <clears throat> but you're part of, so you have a specific part. In I this have a specific part. Opera mm -hmm. that nobody else is singing. Yes. Okay. Right. So I have my own part and wow. I have my lines, my singing lines, and I need to, first I get the score, you know, I look at my lines, I highlight my part, and then I have to translate the German. Um, and then there's um, something called the International Phonetic Alphabet, Alphabet, IPA, where it helps with diction. So I write the symbols of how to pronounce the the words so schlaft like that's a german word okay so i would write the sh symbol loft you know so so that the diction is exactly how a german speaker would speak it so i have two lines the translation and then how to pronounce each word um, and diction is super important because in a big opera house, there's no mics and text is super important. Even if nobody speaks German in the audience, it's the quality of the work is important Yeah, always. Um, so that's, that takes days, days and days. So have to do that. And then I have to learn the notes and this opera in particular, it's Electra by Strauss. It's very, very difficult music. Um, which is really good for me right now because, yeah, as a teacher, I've had to go back to the absolute basics. What's a quarter note? How many beats does yeah. it get? Okay, let's clap four quarter notes in a row. One, two, three, four. Right? So, I mean, well, this is great. And it seeing that aspect of it, maybe not as fun, I'd say, in the teaching, but being able to make music and see, watch these kids learn something and be excited about learning something that they haven't learned before. For example, I had a student who um, already knew how, knew how to play like every instrument out there, right? Super talented, mm -hmm. every instrument, already was in a band, mm -hmm. great kid, but didn't know how to read or notate music at all. What? Yeah. Crazy, right? I'm going to have to talk to him. I know. <laughs> and it just broke my heart. No, <laughs> so I, I, you know, our goal was we need to teach you how to read music to the best of our ability yeah. and how to notate it. Because think about how unstoppable you could be if you could read music or yes. you make music, notate the music. So if you have a new band member, you say... Okay, here's your part. I wrote it out for you. Yeah. Right? It doesn't take away anything doesn't from take what away, he already has. No, it just expands his yes. knowledge even more. Yes. Yeah, so that was our goal. And when, so anyway, I played on the piano a musical phrase, da, 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 or something. And he notated on staff paper the rhythm and the notes. Because I gave him the first starting note, and then from that first starting note, 
he could give me the interval from the first note to the second note, second note to the third note, and then the rhythm. And he did it all by himself. And we put first notation, you know, it was like the, and it was the, his most proudest moment. He was so proud of himself. I was so proud of him. Like those moments, yeah. great, yeah. you know, but you know, I'll, I'll always classify myself as a teacher and performer. I think last year I was going through this transition of, I was a performer full time. Now I'm a teacher full time. And that was really difficult. It wasn't, it was difficult because I was just going to a completely different, I was going to a completely different career. It's a big change for me. Yeah. And I had to get settled into that. Yeah. That's this a huge year change. is a new year for me. Okay. <laughs> and I think that this opera that I'm doing in September and October is going to be something that is going to make me an, an even better teacher. Because, you know, if you don't use it, you'll lose it, right? That's important. As I'm sure you, you're an artist. Yes. You practice your artistry. Artist, yeah. I don't know the term, but <laughs> no, yeah. you practice art <laughs> um, outside. And exercising those talents and those passions is what fuels you to become a teacher and teach what you teach, right? So... I think this in particular, this opera will be exactly what I need to get my, you know, get that fuel and that fire going again for me. Yeah. Because I haven't exercised that in a while. Um, and it will only expand my passion for teaching even more. Um, yeah. It's really important. Yeah. And is. sometimes I think this is. This conversation right here is the reason I wanted to talk to teachers. Yeah. And everybody has a different answer for this. But you have to feed yourself mm -hmm. in some way. I think that a lot of the times we put that on the back burner totally. as teachers. And there has to be something feeding you throughout the process or you're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. and I I think that yeah going back and you know spending some time doing this opera like having mm -hmm. to reuse those muscles to learn to uh, mm -hmm. learn this new part um, mm -hmm. translate all this stuff um, I think any kind of learning mm -hmm. really feeds that and for instance like this summer I've been working with Theo on some music stuff and having to learn a whole new program and spending a lot of time like um, just flexing that muscle and mm -hmm. I think like I don't know what will come of that but the important part is the learning part mm -hmm. and the like you because you just become it became a teacher doesn't mean that now you are just the machine that regurgitates that this is a quarter note, this is a half note stuff. Exactly. Like, going, having to do that every day is a trial, I think. Having to say, like, the elements of art are line, shape, color, value, texture. Um, mm -hmm. Like, a little bit of that every day is killer to that part of you mm -hmm. that is the, I'm a singer, or I'm an artist, or... 
And I do consider, like, I am an artist. <laughs> like, yeah. There's not going to be this threshold where, like, I'm Picasso, now yeah. I'm an artist. Not believing in that. Mm. Um, but I do think, like, teachers, I think we just sometimes forget that yeah. you need to develop. You need to continue to develop. Well, I mean, we give everything as teachers to our job and our students, and sometimes it's hard to find time. It is. You know, I mean, yeah. last year I was busy, which is great, but I was I was busy and it was hard for me. And then at the end of the day, I was tired. It was hard for me to find that time for myself. So it requires a lot of planning and discipline on my part to do that. Um, yeah. But it's necessary because it would be such a shame to put all that hard work that you spent your entire life and mm -hmm. all that passion not to to no use i mean that's yeah. that's what drove you to here that's what drove yeah. you here that's what got you here mm -hmm. so you have to you have to keep that going you have to also recognize it as exactly. it's a resource exactly so it how totally do you how are you going to use that it totally is i believe it's like how i got this job and i mean like it's what made me unique Every job I applied for, you know, what people thought was really cool. Oh, you're an opera singer? Yeah. You're really? That's cool. You know, it's it's my one unique fact. When people <laughs> say something, tell me some unique fact about you. I hate that question, right? But And I hate it when they ask, like, at an opera camp, opera camp or something. You know, because uh -huh. it's like, uh, What's one that's, my, fact that's my unique fact. Yeah, to everybody else in <laughs> yeah, the world, this yeah. is my fact. But, but uh, that was my one unique fact, and everyone thought that was so cool. <laughs> you know, because I wasn't the fat lady with horns. <laughs> I wasn't Brunhilda. You should next time you have to uh, answer that question. You should just be like, "I'm an opera singer <laughs> at an opera." I know everybody like, like crickets. So she's weird. That's her thing. <laughs> I know. I should. It's my unique fact. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the thing, like, I get a question a lot. When you're so when you're a specialist and you're teaching that thing, mm -hmm. um, and let's say parents are asking you, "Oh, have you ever uh, sold any of your artwork or anything?" It's like that's a perfectly reasonable question to right. ask, but it's from such a different perspective from uh -huh. the way art. It's kind of like somebody asking you, like. Have you ever sold a CD of your singing out of the back of your car or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, I've sold some stuff. It's not really what the game is. Is it like the question, like, are you <clears throat> actually making it? Is that what it means? Yes. Yeah. And I think, th but there's an outside perspective of like, are you making a complete living off right. of your work? If not, then yeah. you're a hobbyist. Uh huh. And it's so com it's so impossible. Right. Like <laughs> in the art world to make it. And I think to a lot of people from the outside, it's like, um, if you're teaching, you didn't make it. Yeah. And that is effed up. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, right. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, I know. Right? For sure. <laughs> like, yeah. There's there's uh i think but that's also i think that's a strength for people in electives um to have this rich uh rich community of teachers 
that comes from the people who are trying to do this for a living and also need to supplement their income right. with a teaching job. That right. those teachers are specialists. They are like it's I don't think a lot of math teachers were like also working at NASA and you know doing some other like in the field real um real world application math stuff and then teaching on the side mm -hmm. like i'm i'm totally wrong there's some people out there doing that but the way it's the way it's um brought up for a lot of math teachers that i know is that they love math and they became really interested in education mm -hmm. and then they become a math teacher and like they might do some other stuff on the side but it's not the same i just yeah. i appreciate that about elective teachers like you have these musicians, these opera singers, you have these artists, you have these like yogis yeah. who are also, yeah, totally, you know, running their practice, being people in the world. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, that is definitely the, the, the stereotype that goes on for sure. But, um, being a teacher for me was a choice that was, that was not just because I didn't make it the lifestyle of an opera singer was something I personally couldn't internally couldn't deal with. It wasn't, it was this path made me happier than being a full-time opera singer. I wanted a career where I could give back and I don't believe that I just because I'm a teacher, I can't still be a performer. Yeah. You know, and that's another reason why I moved moved to Houston. There's so many opportunities here. It's huge. Yeah. The, I mean, the art scene is on point. Totally. But, so, uh, you know, don't everybody rush out here to move, you know, like, it's not that great. <laughs> it's not you that know, great. Just, it is that great. It's yeah, that great. No, it it's great. <laughs> great food. <laughs> great food. Great Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Any kind of food you're looking for, we yeah, got it. We got it. Exactly. Fill in the blank. Um, let's take a break and we're going to come back and just talk pop music, classical music, all kinds Whoa. of music. We're talking music. We'll be right back. listening to these days i you know i've been listening i just listen to hip-hop all the time okay That's, i when i listen to music now i've been working i'm just personal now i've been working out so much lately like yeah. i go to the gym every day awesome and so typically now when i listen to music it's solely just because i'm at the gym yeah and because I've had a lot of time for myself and typically I don't when I'm working full time. It so. is a great time for yourself. It is. Working not, out. Yeah. It's not, like, not, oh, it's so good. You time. Yeah. Taking, well, taking this month and whatever off it's been, 
like I've been able to really focus on my health and things like that. So I've been really just hitting it at the gym. And when I go to the gym and listen to music, it's always hip hop. Always. So what do you do, what do you put on? You put on a, like a Spotify playlist. Do you yeah. put on a record, like an album. Yeah, I'll playlist? put on just like a random Spotify, I'll be like hip hop playlist. Yeah. You know, and typically it will come up with like Cardi B, uh-huh. Fetty Wap. Oh, Fetty Wap! I love Fetty Wap. <laughs> I do love Fetty Wap. The one eye, something about it. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, uh, do love Fetty Wap. Um, so I do love the I love the hip hop. It has a good okay. beat. Yeah. You know, it, it boosts my spirits. Do you like recent hip-hop? Do you like old, like, 90s hip-hop? Mostly recent. Okay. Like, Love Me Some Gangsta's Paradise. Okay. In the 90s. <laughs> that song will always be in my heart. But, but yeah, mostly recent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do. And people always find that weird. It's like, you're an opera singer. How can you be an opera singer and, like, hip-hop? Because... Hip hop has really just kind of a beat and then a rap over it. Yeah. So it's not very complex, I guess you could say, especially the kind of stuff I listen to. Uh huh. Like, I don't it's listen not... to the, the greats. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not complex when you analyze it from the, from the music theory mm-hmm. kind of yeah, viewpoint. Yeah, absolutely. But. But can be complex if you were if you're like a poet and you're like let's analyze these lyrics and the cadence and the right the like and also know. depending on the rapper I mean Cardi B is not a poet at all <laughs> <laughs> like you know we got we got Cardi B and then we got the good you know maybe more Kanye West he has maybe a little <laughs> bit more to say but 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 I think it just I work. Life is so serious all the time, I feel. Mm-hmm. I go to work and, you know, I try to make work not as serious as, as less, you know, no serious as possible. No yes. seriousness. I like to have fun. I like to have a good time. That's what music is about, you know, and people can be serious in their math class uh-huh. or whatever, or they should even make it fun, whatever. But I try to make things fun and, you know, lighthearted and whatnot but a lot of times life kind of is more serious so when i'm outside of work i like to listen to hip-hop that is like cardi b where you don't really have to think about it yeah because it's not complex at all it's just i'm listening to it it has a good beat it gets me in the mood it gets me kind of pumped up for the day or for the workout or whatever it is I'm doing and that's all I really need it to do. Yeah. So the video I've been just watching like nonstop videos this summer on Ableton and learning this program and all that kind of stuff. And one of the sections was like music theory. Do you need to know it to make beats? It could be helpful, but do you think that the people who made the beats for like, all these songs that you're dancing to in the club, no, like practice the music theory. Like, no, in fact, a lot of those songs are the like, like a jazz scale is just like, it completely uh, goes against music theory in a lot of ways. Like a lot of these club songs, just they just started putting notes mm-hmm. together that are not in a scale or not, you know, the scale is so 
Weird. And a lot of stuff is sampled too. A lot of stuff is sampled. So maybe from like an from back in the day, you know, when they take something from a jazz song and put it in a hip hop song or something like that. You know, like tons of sampling going on. And but now that you're using logic, you see how easy it really or accessible it is for a non musician. Totally. To make music. Totally. Any I mean, really anybody could do it. It's whatever sounds good. It's whatever sounds good to you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, do I love performing classical music? I don't like listening to it. I never sit in my car and listen to classical music. Yeah. Ever. I mean, it's on a rare occasion I will even go to an opera. Yeah. Honestly. Is it more associated with work? Like your yeah. work? Yeah, that's my work. Um, I believe operas to be very long, too. I mean, they're very long. I yeah. When I'm in an opera, I'm on stage for my section, and I leave. Yeah. I like... <laughs> the reason I'm an, I was an opera singer, and I, I am an opera singer, is the feeling of being on stage. Like yeah. that... The thrilling feeling of looking out into an audience of thousands and being able to sing and speak to so many people yeah. at one time. It's really, it's got to be thrilling. That's so thrilling yeah. to me. I mean, with orchestra and all, you know, putting all that work, the work I was talking about earlier, putting all that work into this thing, this one thing, and then being able to share it with everybody and, you know, so anyway. That's why I did it. Not because necess- and there's beautiful moments in it. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's time consuming to sit through it. It is, yeah. you know, and it sometimes you know when you know a lot about music theory, it, turning off the switch of like let me just listen to this. Yeah, does that ever get in your way? Like um, the analyzation. You know, when I'm listening to it, not so much. It's more about a technique thing. If I'm listening to a singer and their technique is like a little wonky, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like, okay, what do they, what are they working on here? What's, what's going on with their, with the instrument, you know, yeah. or if there's a wrong note that's played, you know, I can hear it, uh-huh. you know, Yeah. it's clear to me. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. <laughs> there's, I loved, um, I don't know. If you ever watched that Ken Burns documentary on jazz, um, oh, I didn't. do you know Ken Burns? Yeah. Like his, uh, he, he's a documentary filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He made these super long documentaries about like the Vietnam War recently, um, <clears throat> baseball, uh, jazz music, blah blah blah. But anyway, the jazz one is super good, um, super Netflix? long. Is it on Netflix? Uh, it goes on and off Netflix. Okay. Um, but it's a lot of times it's on Amazon prime. Um, but it's super long, but there's this one part where they're talking about, um, Thelonious Monk and he's, uh, like this piano player and he'd be playing in a set and he would hit a wrong note and then he would play some more and then like go back to that wrong note and go like hit it again, like hit it again. Like the more you do of the wrong note sometimes it was just like the whole his whole theory was about um you know messing up and you know, like 
okay, that mess up was significant. Yeah. Let's, let me hit that again. Loud Let me bring attention to that again. And like, yeah. yeah, like loud and proud. Yeah. Kind of like. I yeah. like that about like the history of jazz when you go through it. It's like mm-hmm. completely, those are the real, like now we listen to jazz and it's kind of like you consider it like grandma music. And it, like, oh, this is just, you know, like old people, like elevator. Uh-huh. And really all that stuff was the punk music yeah. of its time. Like those are the far out, people yeah. i know none, back of, in the day. none of my students know who knew i mean last year who ella fitzgerald or duke ellington yeah. it's like my gosh you know i mean i, I guess why would they but yeah. legends yeah yeah I absolute mean, legends you yeah know? like i still love ella fitzgerald i listen to totally. her. i all listen to her but like i think just it's easy for me to turn on the radio and just go to the hip-hop station yeah. wherever that is. I don't know. Yeah, I asked my dad a while back. A while back. A while back. <laughs> I asked my dad a while back, like, who's your favorite female singer? And he likes all kinds of music, but out of nowhere, he was just kind of like, there's really nobody better than Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> I like, love that. Kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really think of any, like, you can bring up other genres, like, yeah. I love... Um, well, with auto-tune now, it's like, who knows? Who knows what people sound like? I know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> There's it so is. much production. Yeah. There's like crazy production. So much editing going on, and it's it's not raw. Yeah. It used to be. Yeah. Um, so let's... I, I am interested in what you think about music autonomy for people now like how easy it is for people to download logic and use some kind of an mpc or a midi controller or something Mm -hmm. or um like they it used to be back in the day when we were kids uh, i don't know how uh when i was a kid uh it was like uh if you wanted to play music and record something you had to have a group of people Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't, you couldn't just right. out of nowhere be like, I'm going to make a album. Yeah. You can't just go in the fusion music studio and yeah. make an album um, yourself. I mean, you could, but it generally sounded mm-hmm. much different and required much bigger production. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would need band members or you would need right. like a lot of collaborators and a space and mm-hmm. um, more equipment. Yeah. And then now it's so wide open. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that's like, do you, how, what is it? But I don't even know what yeah. question I'm trying to ask about. Like, Yeah. Um, I, I think logic, I think it serves a purpose for, I like its purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I've said, I'm not a huge audio recording guru um so i appreciate um programs like logic because it makes these kind of things accessible for me and also my students yeah right yeah so that is a nice thing like i didn't even think about that but it's if you're a teacher and you have to be versed in all these different things 
to be to make it accessible for teachers too. It's exactly. Like really I important. mean, yes, because not everybody knows this stuff. I mean, yeah. really, I'm a music specialist, and I'm you know I'm trained in music, and I know all the music theory and music history. I've yeah. done all that, but when it comes to audio and recording, like I haven't had that training. Totally. I really haven't. So. Being able to go on Logic and play around with it for about a year, like I feel much more comfortable than I did. And it didn't take me very long. Like it just took me, you know, little, and you too, I'm sure. You got on there and it became, you know, pretty easy after a while. I haven't really warmed up to Logic too much. What have you I've been kinda, using? I've been using Ableton. Oh, okay. That's my like jam this In there? summer. I haven't used, I've used Logic in there, Okay. but I've mainly just been playing, I haven't recorded much oh, Okay. There. I've been playing music and then recorded it on oh. a mic or like okay. on an iPad, oh, okay. and then I'll use that to kind of chop up and sample in a digital, in Ableton. Oh, wow. Um, nice. okay. So. Cool. Yeah. We got... Love that. Off air, I got a lot to say about yeah. sampling. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> um, so... But I appreciate it for that. Now, when it comes to like, when I listen to music sometimes, I mean, there's, yes, there's Cardi B, but there's other artists where I'm like, oh my gosh, how did they even get here? Uh-huh. You know? And it's because it's so accessible for everybody, yeah. you know, to yeah. make music. Um, so the greats maybe aren't making it because you know, the mediocres, it's just easy for them. It's easy for them to make music. Yeah. You know, it requires a little bit more effort to find yeah. those people sometimes. Exactly. Like I think back in the day, people like, I, I think of somebody like Loretta Lynn, mm -hmm. like this backwoods, um, West Virginia coal miners, daughter <laughs> singer who just has this amazing voice like how many other Loretta Lynn's are were out there mm -hmm. throughout her time period who never got discovered yeah who just like well it didn't work for me I gotta like join yeah. the workforce and make it work yeah um where music wasn't quite as accessible mm -hmm. or much of a much yeah. of a possibility for people um, back in the day yeah, there's a lot more editing and covering up. I mean, you can literally, if you're singing a wrong note or you're pitchy, like you're singing flat or you're singing sharp, yeah. you can go in there and change it so yeah. you're not singing sharp or you're not singing flat. So that's kind of, hmm, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Auto-tune is such an interesting it feature. Is. It is. And I like the idea of people who kind of like turn it on their head like you're your um lord i'm blanking on his name t-pain mm -hmm. uh, who kind of like use it to the point of it becomes an instrument yeah like auto-tune becomes this new it's almost like a midi instrument or something yeah. on a on a computer software um where it's not just to mask the fact that he can't sing, mm -hmm. which he can sing. If mm -hmm. you've seen his NPR tiny it. desk, you got to watch it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's nuts. He's a great singer really? on or off auto tune. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I appreciate that part. But okay. So 
there's a student who uh, we've both had who I get into this discussion. She's a very talented singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> uh, she has a relationship with a recording you know, company. She's also a mm-hmm. music educator at her mm-hmm. recording studio. Um, and she's kind of having this back and forth about, you know, what she wants in her music career and like, does she want to stay with this place? And one of the big pulls was the production really was super polished. And in my opinion, like a little too much, mm-hmm. a little like, like they wanted her glossy. To, to follow a certain stand, like yeah. format. Yeah. She couldn't go off and change it up a little bit. Um, yeah, as far yeah. as the, yeah, the, fr- the format the for sure. The format too. Um, but she was kind of worried about the sound. The sound, okay. And s- like this top 40 kind uh-huh. of sound mm-hmm. production and mixing. Um, and my constant kind of like comment on that was you can do it all yourself. You literally can do it all yourself. Everything that you want to sound like, you can do it all yourself without editing with without editing and i mean it requires a lot of homework and some investment and but that's what the career if you want to make it a career you need to do that yeah you know like me becoming a an opera singer i had to go through so many years of training and i'm still working on it this is something that i will have to work on for life i mean this isn't something okay i'm polished i'm ready to go no more training like it's some a constant commitment and decision every day. Yeah. To practice and to work on, you know. It's like NBA players. Yeah. They've absolutely. already made it to the NBA, and yet they practice they still every practice. dang day. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I appreciate those singers and those artists that work on their instrument every single day. I mean, there's I know instrumentalists that are in orchestras they practice for hours every every day they have to i mean they'll be like oh practice two hours live life a little bit practice two hours i mean it's an everyday thing it's a lifestyle and that when you're an artist like that's just what you have to do it's a commitment it's your job yeah yeah so um relying i feel like if we rely on that manipulation of you know, of the quality, you know, trying to make it sound a certain way mm-hmm. too much that we get into, we get stuck and we don't focus enough on our own craft. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame. Yeah. When you're talented and you don't need it. Yeah. When you're talented and you don't need it, you know, and when you take that rawness away, I think I like that sound. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think it kind of, it gets in your in your way um and i go through this constantly with um both high school students and college students and it's i'm kind of like changing topics just a little bit but um students will come and say like i'm trying to find my style and to them style is almost like a coat that you wear like a really cool coat Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can like put on mm-hmm. and like, that's them from now on. That's their style. And I almost want to be like, stay as far away from style yeah. <clears throat> as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. 
and try on all those coats mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to sound like I know that you love Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. Everybody Holy wants crap. To sound like I could Billie not Eilish. come up with a better. Um, Everybody wants to sound like Billie Eilish yeah. now. <laughs> I know that you love Billie Eilish, but you that's not you. Mm -hmm. You can put on her coat anytime you want and try it on and see mm -hmm. how it feels with your voice coming out exactly. of it. But do yeah. as many of those things as possible and your style is going to come naturally right. one day right. in the future. Mm -hmm. through all of your hard work and this is going to happen without exactly. you having to exactly. decide on anything. I know I always encourage people never and I always tell I I told myself cuz for a while there I put myself in a box cuz in the opera world and in every world people are always trying to put you in a box saying okay this is what you're going to do let's be specific towards just this one thing and yeah. roll with that yeah. because if you go outside of it it's like too too much yeah you know but especially for singing you know I'll ask a student okay so what do you what song do you want to work on and they'll give me a song and I had a student sing the song and literally sing it exactly how that person the artist mm -hmm. sings it you know, same kind of inflection, same kind of, you know, quality. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't your voice. This is their yeah. voice. Yeah. You know, you're even taking away the bad habits yeah. this singer has because you're mimicking what they do, you know, and taking that away is, is difficult because it's muscle memory yeah. at that point. Um, so starting from scratch, learning something completely new that they don't know, and then maybe going back to that is, yeah. works, but it's funny. It's actually really funny to hear it sometimes. And right now it's the new thing is sounding kind of like that airy Billie Eilish sound mm -hmm. with the girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that she's... sound she's in, even on the voice, like everybody's trying to sound like oh, that sure. too. And I'm like, oh. For There's sure. only one person that needs to sound like that. <laughs> I think, okay, so karaoke was something that saved my sanity a little bit mm -hmm. in graduate school. Okay. When, you know, every, mm -hmm. every blue moon we'd be out and um, somebody would say, why don't we go down to Go Bar, which is a place in Athens mm -hmm. where they had karaoke. One beverage. That's all it took. That's well, we'll stay for one beverage, you okay. know, just go down there. Hours later, you know, after everybody's like, you know, sung their heart out. What's uh, your song? Oh, I got some go-tos. Oh, yeah. um, uh, I, I actually kind of veer country oh, for oh, karaoke. Oh, yeah, you got, the, you got the twang. Like, I got a little bit of like, you know, yeah. the big nasal totally. uh, thing. Um, I really like... Uh, um, let's see. I like, uh, David Allen Coe's, uh, you never call me by my name is oh. like one of my go-tos, but my also, go um, uh, you know, Benny and the Jets was oh. always a big, uh, group karaoke song oh, in yeah. Athens. Um, mm -hmm. what's some of your karaoke go-tos? I have one <clears throat> and one only, uh -huh. and that is Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Oh, Oh man, that's a, I mean, that's a big song. 
Yeah, I got the Tony Braxton. I got the low voice. Yeah. And I love that song. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But then my group number, of course, is Summer Nights by Gre- from Greece. Oh. Summer Lovin'. Oh, okay, yeah. Summer Lovin'. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, I was one. thinking for um, Art Seats and Beats when oh. it comes up, oh. whatever that is. Hey. Or if we have, you know, mm-hmm. any kind of a music thing, we got to do Ace of Bass. Oh, <laughs> the first album I ever owned was Ace of Bass. And I love Ace of Bass. You know, I should really switch over and do something. Don't turn around. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the words. Right they now. Have some, I mean, they're so good. If you go back to the 90s, some songs stick and some definitely do not. I and Ace of Bass kind of sticks. Oh, my like, God. They were still, so good. They still sound really good now. They do. I, I loved Ace of Aqua, Bass. maybe not so much. <laughs> no, yeah. Ace of Bass. But uh, karaoke, I think it saved, like, those, those nights really kind of, but such karaoke is such a great way of letting the steam off and it's it's um it's not for people who necessarily not only for people who can sing really well no no in fact some of my favorite karaoke performances are people who are just Just they can't sing yeah they give it their all they do and they just go in there and like tear it up Mm -hmm. and i love that yeah like I know. I didn't do it much in college because as when I was, you know, singing full time, it's really hard on your voice mm-hmm. to go and belt all that yeah. stuff. But I love it. I still love it every once in a while. I haven't gone in a while, but that Tony Braxton, that's my song. Tony Braxton. That Tony Braxton. That's big. I mean. It's a big song. If you can pull it off. Oh, I can. You can rule the room. Absolutely. You know. I got it. <laughs> I got it. In the back of my pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what others. I also like, um, you know, BC Boys Intergalactic is is uh, oh, yeah. go to. Gets the people going. Gets the people going. You know? I'm reading the Beastie Boys book right now. Are you? It's so good. Really? It's so funny. Oh. Like, they're just incredible writers. And you, like, I would not yeah. expect it to be that good, but they just go through all these stories of them like when they were kids That's and cool. they kind of like the part where i'm at right now is when they are you familiar with the bc boys very much or not not very much but i know of them they like they had this kind of career in the 80s of being this like party dude band like you gotta fight for your right to party mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um and record this whole album of that kind of music and realize that the only people coming to their shows were these frat boys oh. and like <laughs> yeah. and nothing against frat boys, nothing against frat boys. Um, but they realized that their, uh, <laughs> their clientele was a little different from who they were. They were these like artsy kids mm-hmm. from New York yeah. who were kind of like putting on this persona mm-hmm. and going out and performing. And they, <laughs> after taking this tour where they're like, Okay, so everybody who loves this is like chugging Budweiser's the whole show, you know. Um, they just realized they had to like kind of come to grips with like who you who you act as as a as an artist mm-hmm. and who you really want to put out into the world, and it's right. not always the same. Yeah, person totally. 
Anyway, That's book true. is great. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Anyway. A little summer reading. Yeah. Um, do you? Okay. So I got another question for you. Do you have any other unexpected music habits, like people who you listen to who uh, people might be surprised that you like? Oh man. Um, do I have any music habits? It depends on what environment I'm in. Like this summer, if I'm on my way to the lake, I'm listen listening to country music. What kind of country? I have no idea. Definitely the first song I'll put on is Wagon Wheel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. I put on a playlist and I don't pay attention to who it is mm-hmm. or what it is. I just put on like... Country. country. Yeah. But kind of like contemporary country. Like yes. within the last yeah. 10 to 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, so it just depends. I'm, I use music as an outlet to, you know, express kind of what I want to ex- be expressing. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a tone, you know. It sets the tone uh, of what environment I'm in. Totally. You know, so... Man. When I was in, I was teaching in Tennessee for a while at the University of the South, mm-hmm. and there was this killer country station there. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was out of uh, Lookout Mountain, and they would always like ninety-two mm-hmm. three from Lookout Mountain, and Definitely. it was all wretch. It was all classic country, yeah, eighties, seventies, um, uh-huh. stuff you'd never heard. Mm-hmm brilliant just Great so good but anyway yeah like driving mm-hmm. through tennessee listening to this it made all the sense in the world yeah even if you don't consider yourself yeah. a country fan not at all i mean i do, i actually do like alan jackson oh yeah i do like alan jackson so sometimes i'll put on like a playlist of just alan jackson because i love his voice yeah. i i think country singers have just amazing voices and i appreciate yeah i really appreciate that I don't, I don't feel like it's edited to a point where it's compromising the quality of their instruments. Yes. It's one of the few yeah. genres mm-hmm. of music that's still raw exactly. a little bit. Like exactly. it's kind of about that emotion. Exactly. And that's what I, that's why I appreciate that still. Yeah. I mean, yeah. country has taken some detours. For sure. I would say over the last 20 oh, years. That one song. What is that one song? Which one? Horse, the horse. If you're going to say Old Town Road. Oh, my God. I hate that song. <laughs> I was going to ask you your opinion. just put it on the opinion. record. I hate that song so much. Okay, let's talk about that. Why do you hate that song? I think... Running on a tractor. There's like one, two, three, four, five. But I mean, like there's like four notes in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Four, Literally four notes in the whole song. Uh-huh. I'm going to take... That's one note, my horse. Da-da. Oh, town wrote four notes. So yeah. four, literally four notes in the entire song. Uh-huh. And we're like accepting that as music. Uh-huh. And we're going to play oh. it on the rodeo. <laughs> and then we're going to play it on the radio every other song. Oh, my gosh. So that uh-huh. Nadia uh-huh. can be like a little crazy, even on the hip hop <laughs> station. It's even on the hip hop station. So oh I can't find any station to, to escape it. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that that song was a little See, that could either go, that could go either way. I was ex- I didn't yeah. know where you were going to go yeah. with that, but It was it was a rough period of time for me. Now it's kind of it's old news it's, now. Yeah, it's died away. It's died away. Bit. Um I've been waiting for that for that to happen. <laughs> so musically, you do not like to listen to it. What about like theoretically the crossover between Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus, this this like kind of marriage of hip hop and country. You know, there was a song with hip hop and country that I didn't mind in high school. What was it? Over and over again. What was it? Nelly and somebody. Nelly and Tim McGraw. <laughs> Nelly and Tim McGraw. That's who it was. Oh my gosh. Over again. That's oh what it was. I liked that song. Yeah. That's hip hop and so country. So it's been done before. It's been done before yeah. and I didn't mind it. Uh-huh. It was this specific song that was like, mm, I yeah. don't mind the crossover. And ooh, there's also a really good song. Um, Lil Wayne. Uh-huh. It's called Genie and Sia. Oh. I love Sia. Okay. Yeah, I love Sia too. Uh, love Sia. <laughs> so they have a song together and it's... More of a hip hop kind of song, but then she sings the chorus, and that's good, too. So I like the crossover stuff. Yeah. And that one song. It's the four notes, and they were just very kind of robot-y. I think that's what people like about it. I think people like the low effort singing that he does in that. Yeah. Um, I have... I The part... Of that song that grates on my nerves is the can nobody tell me nothing. Oh my God. And it just like. <laughs> nice <it's> impression. So... <laughs> I got that, you know, the nasal. <laughs> <in there. laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But I, knew, I know a lot of people liked and feel loved that song. That's a phenomenon. Yeah, phenomenon. Did yeah. you, did you liked it? I was intrigued by it. Yeah, but I can tell you, you're backing it up a little bit. I'm backing it. You're backing I'm, it up a little bit. I'm, I, again, I think I, I'm kind of more in your boat, or I don't really like to listen to it yeah. that much, but I'm intrigued by yeah. the the crossover. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not done very often, so that's cool and all. Yeah. I think it just could have been better. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. more notes, yeah. more effort <laughs> in the sound that <laughs> was being made i don't know <laughs> and the singing part the sound <laughs> i don't know just is not good yeah <laughs> I don't know. yeah so there you go cool that's my two cents on that i love music yeah i really do <laughs> i do too I everybody really do. it's hard not to like music yeah. like some people genuinely don't give a crap about music and i don't understand those people don't they they say that and i'm like but you listen to it and you need it like those people are like oh yeah i'll go to the gym and i work out i'm like okay so are you able to go work out without music no okay so so what do you listen to what do you because can you go run on a treadmill without music i can't those people are like really amazing and i don't know who you are but i appreciate you but most people need you know use music as a way to kind of pump up boost up their spirits whether it's what they actually are enjoying the music part of it or using it as a way to just 
get motivated. Yeah. I think everyone likes music. Yeah. Okay, question. When you ask a teenager what kind of music they like, or maybe think back to when you were a teenager Mm -hmm. and you asked other people, what kind of music do you like? What's the and what do they say? Most of the time it's hip hop. Yeah. Nowadays. You ask yeah. a teenager here. Back in the day. Back in the day. Let me tell you what everybody I knew would answer to that. I listened to everything except rap and country. Did you ever hear that? Like I feel like that was a very common answer. When I was in school, I people loved Eminem. Uh-huh. And actually, when I was in school, I hated yeah. rap and Eminem. I was like, mm, I like classical music. I was kind of snobby okay. with my music. Okay. Because I yeah. think I was just like, you know, I felt like that was so low. And I was yeah. doing all these other things that yeah, were yeah. more intelligent with music. Not very cool on my part. But um, I there were a lot of people who liked Eminem and... Uh, I would say, yeah, I don't know. I don't, and Backstreet Boys, you know, pop, pop in Minnesota. They, we loved our pop music. Backstreet Boys. So you're we in didn't. the Backstreet Boys There was camp. Instinct, and then there, there was Backstreet Boys. But um, so we were more of the Backstreet Boys crowd. Did you know that Deanna, who is across the hall from you, met and hung out with the Backstreet Boys one night at a show? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I don't know about the hanging out part, but she met them. She like was in an elevator with <laughs> You're like them. Making, they hung out. They got Yeah, dinner, they totally, know, they, they got yeah, tattoos yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, but she's a big Backstreet Boy fan. Oh my gosh, huge. I was huge with them, so. But I think back to the, uh, the teenagers, like yeah. when I was growing up, everybody was like, I listen to everything yeah. except for rap and country. That's crazy. And I think back now I'm like, all I listen to is rap, rap. and country. Yeah, <laughs> like, rock and the roll. T- I, like, what is rock and roll doing now? Not much. Not much. I mean, I've had one student to say they, they only listen to rock and roll. You know, like oldies yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. Good, great. But, yeah, you can listen to rock but, from the 70s and 80s oh, all day long. And then there's one who likes Skillet. It's like, good for you. Skillet. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> it's hard to keep. The uh, skillets and the skrillex is. Uh, oh, and then know. what is that other one? The it's like a just scream fest. It, at the beginning of the year, everybody was talking about it. Scream fest. Is a band? No, we, we were talking about it at the beginning of last year. I forgot their name. I don't know. Death grips. Death grips. Oh my That's gosh. That's the new kid thing. Yeah, if you're a kid, you're listening to death grips. Yeah, which is, <laughs> you know, protect your ears, kids. Don't put the volume too loud. Once and those little hair follicles in your ear go away, they don't grow back, and then you'll need hearing aids. So That's true. take care of your ear drums, please. Take care of your drums. Take yeah. care of your drums. Yeah. <laughs> it's really loud. They're just screaming. They're screaming their little lungs out. <laughs> but but yeah, hip-hop is typically what I hear most. And that's a crossover between hip-hop and rock and rock. Yeah. Yeah. We're going it rock and roll. Rock. You know, just proves how cool we are. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I don't know what's going on with rock these days. It, yeah. 
it seems pretty abysmal. Mm-hmm. And nobody said classical music. Nobody. Nobody says yeah. Nobody says nobody says, it. says classical. No. So, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with me today. Thanks for and having me, Brock. Big welcome back. I'm so happy you're here. Yay! I'm happy to be back. It's been a pleasure talking um, music with you. If people want to ask you any questions, um, where can they find you? Where can they get in touch with you? Yeah, well, they can go to NadiaBenavides.com. Hello. <laughs> you got your new domain. Yeah, well, nice. you can either go to NadiaFayad or NadiaBenavides.com. It goes okay. to the same place. Or you email me. And my email's on there. It has a little message center. Great. You can chat. Awesome. Do you have samples of your music on there? I have one old sample. Need okay. some updating, but okay. yeah. Cool. But I'm also on YouTube. All right. Oh, yikes. Anyway. Look her up. Uh, you can follow the show at Summer League HTX on Instagram. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye.